is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to a conversation that I've been having with Katie Cole. Katie is a church leadership expert. She's currently serving with the Leadership Network, and we are talking about multi-site church for the rest of us. This is Jimmy Scroggins, and Katie, we love having you as a member at Family Church. We love your family being a part of our church, but I love it that we have, as a member, a literal featured, verified expert on a multi-site, which you are. And so today we're going to continue the conversation we started last week about the multi-site movement, and we're going to address some of the tensions that have to be managed when a church decides to expand from one campus to two campuses or from eight to 11. Whatever it is, as we grow, it creates new sets of opportunities, but new sets of problems. And let me just be clear. I think our listeners know that at Family Church, we do not think that we have all of this figured out. This is stuff that we are wrestling with currently, and something that Katie is actually consulting with us and helping us do better working this multi-site stuff out. So Katie, why don't you unpack for our listeners some of the things we've discussed about the tension you see in managing campuses of different sizes, because at Family Church, some of our campuses are a lot larger and some are a lot smaller What are some of the tensions you see there? Yeah, it's a great question. And I love this podcast and even who we're reaching out to because I am the product of growing up in a church of 150 people. There you go. And so it's always, uh, it took me probably 10 years of being in full-time ministry before I got used to a pastor saying, I just want to break the 200 barrier. And I would just think, (laughs) why would you want to do that? Why would you ruin your church? Yeah, it's like so amazing to have this kind of group of people that knows one another and is on mission together. And we certainly weren't inward focus. We were planting churches. We were supporting missionaries. We were sending kids off to seminary. I mean, it was an outward-focused congregation, but it was so beautiful to be a part of it, and it was amazing to grow up in it. And so I get very passionate about this topic because I think one of the biggest mistakes I see in multi-site is not knowing how to leverage the scale or the size that a campus is to really maximize what you get to do at that level. Every level, every scale has some challenges to it, but every level has some great, beautiful things that can really only happen at that size. Right. So the thing that I shared with you and the team was from Actually, I stole it from Larry Osborne, but I personally asked him That's if I could right. borrow Sticky this. Sticky Teams so I, is good. Yeah. We like so it. So it's a chapter from Sticky Teams. I've kind of adopted it as my own for multi-site. Yeah, but he talks about how when you are growing a church, and really it applies to any business or organization, when you're growing the scale, when you kind of hit a new level of size, you're playing a different game. And so okay. to win the game, you have to play differently. So he starts off with a track star is kind of the solo guy, the church planter or the entrepreneur, you know, the solopreneur. And that person needs to be super talented, good at a lot of different sports. All you need is one really great track star to win the track meet. That's how you win. But then you start growing and you need to add some people to your team. So you start playing golf. These are like your friends. Chances are you're in a small group together. You're doing life together. You're like strategizing the church while you're cooking burgers at your kids. Church retreat on a minivan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's your kid's sixth birthday and the whole church is there and you're all just talking strategy. It's very life together. It's like playing golf. It's a very relational game. Everyone kind of is doing their own thing. You don't really mess up each other's work. 
worlds, but it's very together. It's very relational. There's a lot of consensus at that stage. And it's a really beautiful, it's a beautiful time to do leadership. It's a beautiful way to do church. That's probably where I would put that 100 to 150 person church or campus. After that, you start to play basketball where you have some more advanced players. Your team is bigger. The coach isn't a player anymore. He's actually watching and coaching from the sidelines, but you practice together. There's a lot of relationship, a lot of team camaraderie, but there's a lot of strategy. And again, it requires new ways to go about operating in order to win the game. From that, you really graduate into football, where you've got specialty teams. The defense doesn't know what the offense is doing. You don't practice together. You don't even travel on the bus. I'm talking like I'm a football player, right? Yeah, I That's know. Accurate. I don't travel on the bus together. So yeah. what I've heard is that, you know, <laughs> and you have specialty teams, right? You have people that are really do one thing really great, and they come out and do it, and then they leave, and you never see them again until that need happens again. So you can see when you're leading an organization or leading a church, you're operating as a lead pastor very differently with those kind of teams. The leadership levels you're using are different. Volunteer leaders have a different role. And then the congregation interacts with people differently. So knowing the scale and knowing the different size and applying it at the right time. The challenge in multi-site is you aren't leading just one. You're not playing just one sport. You're probably playing multiple sports at one time. So by the time you start having multiple campuses, you're at least a basketball, if not a football campus. And you're launching campuses of track stars and and golf teams. And so the challenge happens when you're giving leadership like to children's ministry for your church, and maybe there's three or four campuses, you are at a football campus, you're thinking like a football player, but you're trying to build a system that works playing golf and track. And it's usually kind of a nightmare when you're on the campus. And I think that's such a powerful concept. Okay, so if you read, and, and we do recommend the book Sticky Teens by Larry Osborne, that book came out a long time ago. If you haven't read it, and you're thinking about going multi-site or just growing your church, you ought to read it. But you actually innovated Larry's idea. So Larry's idea was about a growing organization, moving from this to this to this. I never actually made the connection because I'm not smart enough like you. When you came to our team and said, no, you need to think about each campus as a different kind of a team, which really made the light bulbs come on for us at Family Church. So let me just throw this out there for our listeners because like, we have an original campus. It's downtown. It's an original traditional church. And we have about, I don't know, between 1,500 and 2,000 people on a weekend at that campus. So it's not the biggest church in the world, but it's a large church. And then our next largest campus has seven or 800, and our next largest campus has five or 600, and the rest of them have 300 or less. And so we're constantly in this battle because some of these are, are headed by full-time vocational, seminary-trained, you know, professional ministry people. Some of these are led by a, an entire team of bivocational moms and dads and, you know, people who have other jobs. And so how do we create a system that enables every one of these campuses to maximize their impact for Christ in the neighborhood where they're planted and to grow in a, in a healthy way. So one of the things that you said to us, which was really helpful to us, was I said, Katie, how could you help us? Like, what are some things where we're kind of messing up in this whole thing? And I'm feeling the tension of it. I don't know what to do. And you gave me a bunch of examples. Maybe you could just talk to our listeners. Just go ahead and free yourself up. You don't have to make us all look good. Just say, hey, well, immediately, since you asked, 
Yeah, so I think one of the first things I noticed was the new member connections Right, class. first connection class. Yeah. And I knew instantly what it was because I get to travel and right. hang out with churches on the weekend and see how they do things. And so this is a common challenge, I think. We walk in, we're, we're a smaller campus. I walk into a, a room and there's maybe there's my family. So there's three people in my family. I think there were two other families, each of two people. But there is a ginormous screen. There's a teaching team of four people. There's a buffet line. And I I just thought, wow. And so we had this really awesome class experience. The content was amazing. The teachers were awesome. It all went really great, but I never met the other people in the room. I, you know, it was very formal. It was very class. And I just, you know, my challenge was, gosh, it would have been so cool to just all go out to lunch together and have the (laughs) campus master tell us about the church. (laughs) And it would have been, it would have been nice to walk away with a few friends out of that experience. And not that they didn't want that, but they weren't realizing that they were playing golf in that room. was an opportunity to connect people. So we have this first connection class at every campus once a month, and that's kind of how we do it. And it's really important to us. And we've talked about that on another podcast. But at our downtown campus, you know, we have all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Every month, we're going to have somewhere between 30 and 75 people in this class every single month. So it makes sense to have a buffet line and a big screen and four teachers. You have to do it to have it be good. It's a big group, right? It's a big group. But the problem was we said, okay, this is how we do first connection. So we start these other campuses. We start them with 50 people, and they grow to 100, and then they get to 200, 300. Well, they're doing really well, but now we're having what you just described, a horrible experience. Because you walk in, and you're like, this is a little overkill. It would have been cool. We could have had this in someone's living room, and we could have all connected. So I think that's a great – you know, there's some other examples too, though. For instance, like even our worship venues, right? So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, worship leaders are always really aware of the feel of the room and the scale of the room and making sure the room is full and there's energy. And that is one of the hardest jobs is, you know, getting the early morning service crowd to be awake and want to talk to each other and engage in worship. But it's challenging when you have different size scales and you bring out some production elements that are really made for a big room or more snazzy or more people on stage and you try to roll it out of a smaller campus. But at the same time, what works at a smaller campus is going to just fail miserably at a bigger campus. And so this brings up this idea of what do we customize? What's unique to a campus? What do we standardize? And my challenge is always think through what you choose to standardize to make sure it works at each of these different levels. Because we tend to, as kind of ministry leaders or strategists, we kind of go for the easy button. Everyone's going to have this set And so we build sets, we send them to all the campuses, and everyone's going to have this set. Instead of thinking, we want a similar environment, or we want a mood, or we want something that connects with what they're going to see on the screen of the video bumper, or whatever it is, and being able to build the set to fit the room, to fit the scale. You know, we have several campuses in in rental facilities, so that has an extra challenge. Like, do they really have to pack that up in their little Honda Civic after service and get it home? The wheelbarrow full of cinder blocks. (laughs) (laughs) They really appreciate that Are we thinking through that? And I love Kevin Penry from Life Church. He's kind of the guru of sort of the customization, standardization. And he talks about central services or that central support team that's thinking for all the campuses, whether it's your that's your only job or that's one of many hats you wear. Part of it is you have to think more like a grandparent than a parent. Mm -hmm. And this is challenging for someone who's got a high level of leadership and is probably leading student ministries or one of the departments at their campus and thinking globally because it's two completely different hats. So a parent, when the youth pastor has the parent role on, he has to know the leaders, he has to know the kids, he's got to be engaged, he has to be 
on it, kind of micromanaging, right? This is his baby. He's responsible for yeah, it. Yeah, it's his job. He's the parent of right. the program. When he thinks multi-site, when he's got the central support, he's a grandparent. So his entire job is about setting the youth pastor at each campus up for success. So just like if your parents showed up and started disciplining your kids for you or telling your kids what to do, you'd be like, wait a second, <laughs> I'm the parent. Their right. biggest job is to influence you to be a great parent. Completely different skill set, completely different priorities, happens on a different calendar. It's very challenging to be in charge of the biggest campuses department and give global leadership because that's the biggest campus. It's the biggest job. It's where the most fires are. And it's a totally different skill set to think globally. But the truth is when you normally go, like, so a lot of our listeners are thinking about starting their first multi-site campus. As they do that, there's no other way to start, right? So when you start, you're going to start with your main campus or your biggest campus, your original campus is probably going to hold the reins to all of these other campuses for a while, at least for until you probably get to three or four campuses. Right, because you're going multi-site because you have something so great, it's right. worth multiplying. Right. But as you start to add, and I would say your first campus, you can definitely kind of duplicate and scale it accordingly. It's a lot easier to do it because you just want the campus yeah, to like win. just like multiple services. Yeah, and your teams can get back and forth really easily. Yes. By the third campus, definitely by the fourth campus, that's the one that usually breaks all the systems. It's why most churches only get to two or three. By that time, you can't get everywhere. You can't make every decision. You have to go to more of an empowerment model. And so you have to start articulating what you want. You can't replicate what you cannot articulate. And so being able to say, actually, what we want in student ministries is a place where every kid feels like the leader knows their name or has someone say hi to them in the first two minutes of walking in. They've got an adult who cares about them. They're going to learn biblical truth. They're going to be able whatever those things are. Everyone's got a different Lines are, yeah. yeah, and so making sure that you have those so clarified that there's freedom on the things that you need for the room you're in or for eight kids instead of 85 kids or whatever the difference is. Right. Okay. So if you're just going to just, I know every situation is different, but if you're just going to say, look, here are some things, if I was advising a multi-site team, which you do every day, what are some things you say, hey guys, I think you should really think hard about, I think you should probably standardize this stuff, but then I think you should have some openness to customization in these areas. What what are some things that would come to mind? Yeah. And there are several churches who are sort of experimenting with this and their goal is to standardize as few of things as possible. It used to sort of be, we would let customization be as few as things as possible. But that's sort of the conversation now with some churches. And I would say definitely it's easy to standardize sort of the business operation stuff. That's like a no-brainer. How you do offerings, how you count your cash, how you do your HR policies, how you hire people, all of those kind of ops things are easy to standardize and should be. There's a huge return on investment from that. And Property insurance. Yes, liability decreases. All those sorts of things get better and easier. And no one went into pastoral leadership to manage buildings. So they're like thankful. I think the the weekend experience, what someone feels when they walk in. And I wouldn't even say it's like you have six tables that show these kinds of signs at this size. It's the feel of it. It's the, what's the culture that I'm walking into? Culture right. is told through language and experience and connection and through story. And so what are those things that I'm experiencing when I'm walking in? And kind of trying to dial that down to we're joyful or we're loving or we're welcoming or we're formal or, you know, 
very formal churches are beginning to uh, campus. And so it doesn't have to only be this one mindset that we have of those that have gone before us. I think the membership process is a really important thing to standardize the content and requirements and how that's communicated. But again, I challenge the delivery of it to fit the scale or the sport that you're playing. Children's ministry, safety standards, uh, curriculum, those are things that just sort of get complex when you start reinventing the wheel. And again, anything dealing with liability, like how many adults in a room at a time with kids, safety procedures, all that thing should be standardized, solved one time and replicated easily. All right. Now we talked in our last episode, some about the opportunities to do video venue versus the opportunity to do live preaching. Let's talk a little bit about live preaching churches like ours, because one of the conversations I'm seeing out there is how much should you standardize the live preaching? So can you just share a little bit about what you're seeing? Because I know some of the churches are just like, hey, everybody do your own thing. Some are like, here's the sermon. Everybody read this manuscript. What do you see out there? Yeah, well, I think one of the beautiful things of multi-site is you can work with someone who goes to your church but attends a different campus. And so it kind of comes down to what's the vision of what you're wanting to do? Do you want people to have be on the same page, have gospel conversations because they're a part of the same church, then the need for that to be similar, at least in topic or content, is really important. However, the beautiful benefit of live preaching is that you can customize it to your actual congregation and the people you know. If you're pastoring the congregation and you're teaching them, you're looking out in the audience and you're seeing three couples that you've counseled with this week that are all getting divorced. Well, I would hit that point or leverage that in the message more than if you were at a, a campus of all singles and urban, and that's not where they're at, I would hit a different point for them. And so having a blend is probably the most common. Also, multi-site churches are a great way to raise up younger pastors. They need a little bit more structure and accountability around them. It's easier to play tapes and measure and give feedback to one another if you're doing at least similar messages. However, I think there is room for some space, and most people experiment with giving some kind of off you know, a one-off, if you have a sermon series and then you start another one and there's a weird week in the middle that's kind of like a floater, that's a great one to do a customized or uh, be able to leverage a passion topic for their pastor. Because there's nothing like being, as a member, I love hearing the passion of my campus pastor. And so letting him go off on whatever it is that he feels is the word for his congregation or the thing he's most passionate about, I love getting to know him in that way a little better. So it's always kind of both and, not either or. Right. So like at Family Church, what we do is we have a collaborative kind of a system. So we're getting together at a retreat every year. We're talking through what our series are going to be, what our texts are going to be, what our main ideas are going to be. We get together every week and we do fill in the blank outlines at Family Church. So we collaborate and come up with the three or four or five points where we're going to fill in the blank. Those are the same. But then every preacher has the opportunity to introduce the topic however they want speak more or less on each one of these fill-in-the-blank points that, like you said, that strikes a chord with them or, or that matches their congregation. And then they get to do the invitation, the conclusion, however they want. And we try to say, Katie, that the contextualization for us is a function of the personality and gifting of the of the lead pastor combined with the actual physical space where they're meeting, combined with the neighborhood where the church is planted. And those things kind of come together to call for a need for contextualization. And yet, we're one church, we're one name, one leadership structure, one constitution and bylaws, one budget. So this is a a really important conversation. And we could go on all day about this, Katie. But again, if you're talking to to a smaller or medium-sized church thinking about getting into multi-site, if there was like one thing you would say, make sure you standardize this. And one thing you say, make sure I would give a lot of room for this. What would that be? 
Gosh, I think some of the things we talked about, I think how you onboard membership, making sure those things are highly structured and definitely standardized, how campus pastors, the language and stories they tell about the church, because that really is what passes on culture. Mm -hmm. And so you want to replicate those things, the stories you celebrate about your church, making sure there's a bigger picture than what's just happening right in your own room. Those are the things that are to be leveraged in multi-site. So it helps to have, I wouldn't even necessarily say you must tell this story this week, although some Sometimes that's helpful. It's just about trying to keep the mentality and the vision and the the bigness of what you have to offer right. still in front of people while they experience the beauty of the smallness that they're really enjoying. So it's always got to be kind of both and. And the campus pastor is one of my favorite people on a staff church right or on a church staff right now because I just think they have such a beautiful role of facilitating leadership from the lead pastor and loving the people well and keeping all of those visions and all of those tensions alive at one time. Hey, look, it is awesome talking to you about this stuff, Katie. We could go on all day, and we do uh, when we're not in front of the microphone. But I think we've given our listeners at Church for the Rest of Us a lot of food for thought today. And again, neither Katie nor Jimmy Scroggins nor Family Church, we don't think we've got this all figured out. We're working through it. We're learning a lot. And I'd just like to say to our listeners that we would love to hear from you. And you can chime in on our blog at FamilyChurchNetwork.com. We'd love to hear how you are managing these tensions at your churches. Also, you can comment on Twitter at Church Joes or on our blog at FamilyChurchNetwork.com. Again, thank you for listening. This is Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you, too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.